from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. You know, we're grateful for the news coverage. We're also hoping that people pay a little more attention because it could have been me. We're day 349. Uh, the lack of food, uh, the lack of water. There's no phones. There's no internet access. No electricity, no uh, form of communication. They turned off banking. Uh, the, the minute that the war happened, the Ethiopian government um, changed the currency. It's a conspiracy to, like, not let the truth come out. That's all it is. Getting that classification of a genocide. All this whistleblowing that's happening, I'm with it. I'm Sarah Fenske. One year ago this November, the Ethiopian prime minister ordered a military offensive against regional forces in Tigray. That's the northernmost regional state in Ethiopia. And for the last year, that state has been consumed in an ugly civil war. That's had a heavy impact on Tigrayans living here in Missouri who are worried about their loved ones back in Africa. It's also put serious strain on their relationships with some other Ethiopians. And joining us now to tell us about how the war has impacted the community and what they're doing about it are two Tigrayans. Bide Theon Fiseha came to the U.S. as an infant. He's a lifelong resident of University City and of Tigrayan descent. So Bide, welcome. Thank you for having me. And we're also joined today by another Tigrayan. That's Caleb Zegeye. His family moved from Ethiopia to Washington, D.C. when he was nine. They later moved to Kansas City, where he lives today. So, Caleb, welcome. Uh, thank you so much for having me. So, Bide, let's start with you. Um, your family has been in the U.S. for quite a few years. Do you still have a lot of close connections in the Tigray area? Yes, I would say the majority of my family lives there. Um, especially my mom's side, they all live in the Tigray region uh, up until the war. And uh, definitely, I don't have a lot of family overseas, so, mm -hmm. yeah. They're there. And you said up until the war, have some of them then fled that region? Absolutely. Uh, majority of them went to the capital city because it wasn't a good idea to stay there. Um, it's pretty war-torn. Yeah. Caleb, what about for you? Did you have a lot of family living in this region um, when this all broke out last November? Yeah, a, a lot of my family members, um, um, they, they were there and they're still there, um, you know, coming from my grandparents to my aunts and uncles, cousins, and a lot of extended families. Our, our whole lineage is actually still there and uh, still struggling. And yeah, they're part of uh, the six million individuals that are in the last uh, stage of famine currently. So the last stage of famine. So these are your family members and loved ones there. They can't even get enough to eat at this point. Yep, you, you you are correct, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's, uh, it's a man-made famine that's that's uh, been uh, prevalent uh, to, to within our community or within within that region uh, for the last uh, 349 days. Um, it's been uh, quite an unfortunate situation. We've seen our loved ones pass. Uh, we haven't been able to get a hold of our family for you know for in some cases for almost a year. Uh, there's been a uh, you know there's been blackouts in terms of communication off and on. Uh, we have not been able to com communicate with a lot of our family members since this last summer, and you know we're just uh, we're just hopeful uh, and just living the day to day, thinking that they're still alive and just having hope and trying to just move forward and see what we can do here. Caleb, up until you lost contact and, and weren't able to continue to reach them in the summer, what were the kind of things that they were describing about what was happening there in Tigray? 
Oh, just a lot of atrocities, uh, massive rape, um, mass massacres were happening. Uh, my family's actually, uh, specifically, uh, uh, a lot of them are in the Aksum region. Um, um, that's where the Aksum massacre happened um, uh, last uh, December. Um, yeah, so I mean, coming from that to where, you know, the descriptions of, um, you know, uh, soldiers coming in and uh, killing, ki killing individuals. So, for example, um, coming to a house and killing um, a, 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 a son, and uh, and and the son is just um, his his remains are just outside of the house, and uh, they're it's unable to be buried for a five day period and things of that nature. So just uh, just atrocious things is what they described: uh, the lack of food, uh, the lack of water, no electricity, no uh, form of communication. Um, you know, um, while the war was happening, uh, the, the minute that the war happened, the Ethiopian government um, changed the currency. Right, the fiat system mm -hmm. completely changed overnight. Um, so you know, the money that you had is the money that you had. And not just that, the money, whatever, whatever fiat currency you had is worthless, right? Mm. Uh, no access to banks and things of that nature. That's that's uh, what they've been describing to us. So, B-Day, for your family that you've been able to be in contact with or that's even been able to get out, um, are they describing similar things? Yeah, it's been a um, – right now we can't call them. Uh, the ones that did remain in Tigray, they cannot just pick up the phone and call. So just like what Caleb just said, we, we have a total blockade. Um if if it was other times in other years, we would normally send them some money, mm -hmm. and it makes a big impact because of the conversion rate. Um, but as of right now, the Adi's family is definitely careful about what they say on the phone because even the ones in the capital city, they have a a fear that there's possible surveillance. Even if it might, if it might not be true, it's still that fear. So they, they're definitely not communicating as much as we would like them to. So the whole idea is that it's, it's, it's very tough because this is a region that hasn't seen a lot of conflict in a while. So mm -hmm. it's something new for them. So B-Day, being here in Missouri while people are suffering so badly on the other side of the world, what kind of impact has that had on you? Do you feel that just kind of eating at you? Yeah, but in, if, if I were to speak personally, I feel like it's galvanized me to uh, use my resources to my advantage. Um, it's definitely had a huge impact on my colleagues' mental health. A lot of people that are from the same region as I am, they definitely dwell on this. They can't sleep right. They, it's, it's, it, it does weigh heavily on a lot of people's hearts. So some people use it as something that they'll dwell on, but others, for the most part, they're probably galvanized with us where we try to make a big impact and use whatever we can to, to help out. Yeah, so you feel like you see people suffering around you, um, members of this community that are here. You want to do something about it. You guys formed a support group. Absolutely. How did that come about? Uh, generally, um, you know, we've, in different capacities, some of us have been here for years. Some of us, some of us just got here in the last five years. So in, in different communities that we build around each other, uh, we have might have been going to church or might have been going to school together, and there's all kinds of relationships that got forged. But when the war started, a lot of people didn't see the support that they were looking for. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot easier when you have someone to relate to and say, hey, we're all fighting the same battle. Why not meet up on WhatsApp and have a group chat text and have weekly Zoom calls? And that's how that formulated. And so these calls are on Zoom. Caleb, that means that Tigrayans who are in Kansas City are able to connect with Tigrayans in St. Louis. That seems like that's something that, that's kind of special. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and you know, um, I think one thing to 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 kind of get perspective is uh, within within the Ethiopian community, we're a minority, right? Mm -hmm. um, out of uh, the the 110 million, uh, there's uh, approximately about 
uh, six to ten million of us. Uh, so that that's really reflected here in the states as well. And uh, by allowing us to have these uh, these social outlets uh, such as Zoom and um, other platforms, uh, we've been able to to organize and. Um, have a larger support system. So in Kansas City region, there's not a lot of us. I would say in terms of the Ethiopian population, there's uh, approximately a little over 10,000. Mm-hmm. And out of that, uh, you know, we, we're not even, I would say we're maybe like three three to 4% of that, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, by um, having access to, to these platforms and um, be, being able to con- communicate with the St. Louis community and just the Midwest has been uh, wonderful for us. So, Bide, what happens when you're in one of these um, Zoom uh, support group meetings? Generally, it's people, you know, checking on each other, just like you would normally do, um, seeing how everyone's feeling, What you know, check the temperature of the room and share articles, share news and anything that's going to be helpful, helpful to get through the week. So it's definitely been it's been awesome to just be able to have that dialogue with people saying, hey, let's let's form uh, a picnic and raise money or let's do several different action items in addition to just supporting each other. So there's the, the support and the emotional support, but there's also um, let's get the word out about this. This is a, an action group. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Caleb, tell us about some of the actions um, that, that, that have come out of this group. Yeah, um, within our group, we've been able to to fundraise and uh, specifically focus on to uh, different different organizations that that, that have uh, uh, been present within our community to to make a larger impact. Uh, one organization is uh, HPN. It's a uh, it's a health organization that's currently on the ground, making a large impact in terms of providing medicine and um, uh, those kind of uh, those kind of cares uh, to get give a little clarity. Uh, currently in uh, the in the Tigray region, uh, approximately. Uh, over 85% of the the hospital facilities have been uh, destroyed, uh, and then the remaining um, are operating at less than 10% uh, um, um, occupancy, or, or less than less than 10%. Um, and uh, yeah, so these are some of the things that they've been doing, and um, and also working with other groups uh, um, uh, to uh, working with other groups that are that are closely working with uh, congressional members, and um, just getting that voice out. And so is there something you have in mind? You mentioned working with congressional members, Caleb, something that you would like to see the U.S. government do about this situation. Uh, currently, uh, one of the biggest uh, hindrances that, that has been to uh, to the to guard genocide is uh, getting that classification of a genocide. Um, you know, um, when if we kind of look back into time, uh, we can see the, uh, we can use the Rwanda genocide as an example uh, Bill Clinton, within um, his time, he's, uh, he, he mentioned by saying that was one of the worst uh, mistakes that he did within his term uh, in terms of uh, not being able to respond on time, right? Uh, the Rwanda genocide in terms of the U.S. response was about 100 days, right? Mm-hmm. Today, currently, we are at day 349, um, and there's still, there's still not been a genocide uh, classification been put in place. So I think one thing that we, we urge the U.S. government and, um, you know, the St. Louis constituents... Um, is to reach out to their their Congress representatives and their local and state uh, representatives uh, and national as well um, to, to to get that classification and to to stop the war that's happening uh, currently in Tigray. And and B Day, is this something where you're also trying to get to um, local politicians to get them to pick up this mantle here? A hundred percent. It doesn't matter what city you're in. We always encourage each other to write our local Congress people because we're spread out across the world. There's many 
to Grians that live in the United States in addition to Canada, Europe. So in any facility, it doesn't matter where you live, it's really important and vital to write our congresspeople and let them know that there's constituents that do support you, but also want you to do an action on getting the ball moving and let's stop this war, let's end the poverty and the famine conditions, and you know, let's just get things better. We're talking today to two Missouri members of the Tigrayan community. Um, that is a, a region of Ethiopia that is in the middle of, uh, I think it's fair to say, civil war. The Ethiopian prime minister ordered a military offensive last November. That is still ongoing. It's become a state of humanitarian crisis there. And we're joined today by Bide uh, Fisaha, as well as Caleb Zagea. And they're talking about their experience here in the U.S. trying to agitate on this situation. So anytime you end up talking about genocide and there's calls for the U.S. to intervene. This is something that's very important to the Tigrayans. I imagine there's other Ethiopians who have a very different take on this. And previously, this was almost just kind of one community. It was Ethiopians that are in the Midwest. As, as you said, Caleb, there aren't that many of you. Has this changed how people interact with each other here in the U.S. Um, in what used to be a, a close-knit community? Caleb, are you there? Yep, yep, I'm here. Um, yeah, so definitely. Um, I think uh, one thing that uh, like we, we've been able to see in the last uh, close to a year is uh, there's a huge uh, there's a huge d division within the community, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think one thing that's been really really uh, prevalent is the fact that the 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 other the other the non Tagaru community um, at, at a, on a larger uh, at, at a large ha have been you know directly supporting. What's happening um, to Tigray uh, in many different uh, in many different ways, such as you know just um, essentially denying what's happening um, um, and just uh, you know supporting what the, the Ethiopian government is doing currently. So that has definitely brought a lot of friction within our community um, in church settings and just community settings as a whole. So has that been frustrating to see sort of brother against brother um, here in the U.S. Yeah, d definitely. Um, you know, just I, I gave a perspective in terms of like how my family structure is back home. Uh, a lot of my family is there, right? Mm -hmm. um, in the last uh, year, you know, I've lost uh, a, a, more than a dozen members of my, my, my family, right? Uh, both immediate and, uh, you know, extended family. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's quite hard to, to it's quite hard and it's quite hard to see um, our families being impacted and, you know, um, our communities not standing behind us and, um, is uh, quite frankly just denying what's happening, you know, and and, and minimizing uh, the the atrocities that are happening. Bide, have you felt sort of that similar conflict within the community here in St. Louis? I would say that um, it's not necessarily a direct conflict because we're all human, you know. Mm -hmm. Like you said, we're brothers and sisters. We're all family. It's just that when it happened, we felt an isolation because we felt like, hey, this needs to stop and. We don't like this happening, and we didn't see the same, the same support, whether it's on the St. Louis level or even g generally in the, in the United States. So that's what made us, you know, get together and support each other because of the isolation that we felt. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it's in essence, we all came here from Ethiopia. We're all happy to be in America and and being you know good citizens. But when people from a country that has such diverse groups in it, they 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 do get together in different settings, but things like this this do marginalize each other. So mm -hmm. that's that's all that is. 
I thought it was interesting that Facebook whistleblower Frances Hagen, she was a data scientist who worked for the company, she told a Senate subcommittee recently that Facebook bears some blame for the growing conflict in Ethiopia, and she accused its algorithms of literally fanning ethnic violence in Ethiopia. I'm wondering, B-Day, if in your experience you've seen some of these things that, that she's referring to there, things just getting ugly and where Facebook discussions end up sort of getting sucked into some of this ugliness that's happening happening there. Yeah, the algorithm talk is very multifaceted uh, because it goes both ways. I've also heard that Facebook deleted several political pages that were associated hmm. with the Ethiopian government where they saw fake pages and they they identified them in their algorithm or with AI or something. So it's definitely a theme that is happening in, in many conflicts across the world. And, you know, it's great that anybody that can whistleblow any side of the conflict is awesome for me because we all want the truth out. We don't care for people to pick sides or, you know, what I'm asking for, me personally, I want this war to stop and I want all criminals to go away, you know. And yes, if there's a whistleblower, um, you know, unearthing stuff that's hurting us or even helping us, both ways, we just want the truth out. That's why our biggest theme in in this advocacy is we always ask for independent investigation. And that's what's not happening right now. I'm not sure if you heard Caleb mention it earlier, but there's a complete blockade in our region. There's no phones. Mm. There's no Internet access. They turned off banking. So it's it's a conspiracy to, like, not let the truth come out. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. So all this whistleblowing that's happening, I'm with it. You're with it. I love it. Um, So, Caleb, thinking about the the truth coming out um, and and your group working so hard to raise awareness of what's happening overseas, at the same time, I think there's so many Americans who have never given this any thought at this point. To them, it just may feel like, like background noise. They have no sense of what's going on in Ethiopia. Is that frustrating to you? Yeah, that definitely is. But um, I think kind of to touch on what B.D. is saying, um, yeah, I mean, the, the blockade of information is a, is a big factor to why um, average Americans don't understand what's happening. Right. And everything that's been happening in the last year has been has been done by design uh, by the Ethiopian government, you know, starting from like last November, um, you know, November 4th, when, when when the war actually broke out. Right. The Ethiopian government announced war that was during uh, election period. Right. So when you look at uh, events that were happening um, last year, and even dating back to, I mean, we're tracking back to even now, are significant dates in, 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 in American history, right? When bi- large things were happening here in the States, you know, um, they, they, they used that as a mass to, um, to, to attack and uh, to fulfill uh, their overall objectives. Mm. So that's, that's one of the biggest reasons why uh, the media has not covered it to start in, in the beginning of the war. And then, you know, right now, obviously, it's getting that traction and, and things of that nature. But still, we're day 349, you know, where, you know, um, there's been over 20,000 women that have been raped. Um, people are fleeing the countries. Um, and I think one thing I really want to touch on is, you know, we're, we're talking about what's happening in Tigray, uh, just kind of like within Tigray, but it's larger than that, right? It's what's happening in Ethiopia to Tagarus, right? Tagarus are individuals from that Tigray region, you know? When we look at what's happening in the capital, Addis Ababa, we're able to see uh, a large amount of arbitrary arrests, right? Individuals are being arrested for no reason just because of the fact that they're, they're from the Tagray region, right? All Tagaru businesses have been closed in the, in the capital, right? Uh, so there's a large amount of persecution that's happening throughout Ethiopia. And so I think that's one thing to really, really to put it, to put it out there. 
And, and also, I mean, it sounds like you're saying the fact that so many of us aren't paying attention to this. This isn't just American ignorance, which goodness knows <laughs> there's a lot of that in this country. But this has been very strategic, that this is something where they have timed this pretty carefully. And that might be one reason it's not bigger news. Very, very strategic, yes. Mm. So such a frustrating situation. And for those of you here in St. Louis, miles from all these loved ones, um, this is something where you're continuing to find support from each other. But this situation um, continues. As you said, we're in day 300-something on this. B-Day, what would you like... And you've got the exact date there, yeah. Um, B-Day, what would you like people to understand about your experience and that of your friends and family as people are trying to get their heads around this situation? Um, just that, you know, we're, we're, we're all St. Louis citizens, Kansas City citizens, and we live here, and we just want there to be a little bit of empathy from the community saying, hey, we understand and we don't like it either. Um, there's multiple ways you can help, but we're, we're also fortunate for opportunities like this. We're talking with you right now. Uh, CNN covers us plenty of times. They just uncovered a lot of um, exposés on the airlines in Ethiopia, as you might have looked up. Uh, yesterday there was a bombing in our capital city in Tigray. So it's it's definitely uh, a catch-22 of, you know, the shortest attention span of us as busy people in America yeah. with the fact that, you know, we're grateful for the news coverage. But we're also hoping that people pay a little more attention because it could have been me. I came here to the United States, thankfully, as a political refugee through my family. But at the same time, you know, I could be back home as well with them going through the same struggle. So it's it could happen to anybody. It's not um, very far-fetched. We're just a diverse country that happens to have a lot of people here. Yeah. Boy, that's a good reminder, I think, for all of us. So B-Day Fisaha, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And B-Day is a lifelong resident of University City. His family are Tigrayans uh, who came here as refugees. I also want to thank Caleb Segaye. Caleb, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And Caleb is a member of the Tigrayan community who lives in Kansas City. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.